Full Court Fits is The Ringer's new weekly NBA video series hosted by Big Waz, a.k.a. Wozni Lambre. Each week, we take you around the world of NBA fashion and share can't-miss style choices from your favorite players and keep you up to date on the latest news and releases in sneaker culture. Waz also talks to experts like Damian Lillard's personal stylists to give you behind-the-scenes looks at how the NBA's biggest stars choose their outfits. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you're subscribed to The Ringer's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Ringer so you never miss an episode. COVID vaccines are starting to become available to the general public. Getting vaccinated is the first step to getting back to all the things we miss the most. You know what I miss the most? Getting outside because I have been watching the glorious NBA playoffs for about two months now, even though I have been vaccinated. I'm looking forward to getting into a bar this weekend to watch a soccer game. I have no idea what's going on, but I'm going to be around other people. So that's exciting to me. Uh, Rob Mahoney, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to pulling you back inside, you and me Mm. and Waz, in the same room actually podcasting for once. How do you feel about doing more work? Cheers to that, my friend. But you know what, Rob? It's okay to have questions like, should I get it? Is it safe? Should I wait? You can get the facts at getvaccineanswers.org so you can make an informed decision. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic for a limited time. You can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tinder Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tinder Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. Welcome to Group Chat. I am Justin Verrier. Joining me as always, Rob Mahoney. Big Waz is here too. We're doing this as we typically do on Spotify Greenroom. So welcome to all the listeners here live. Uh, Get your questions in throughout the recording and we'll be able to take some. Uh, We'll get into some other stuff later on. But first, we need to talk about the Phoenix Suns are in the NBA Finals. Waz, did you ever think you would see a day where Chris Paul would be in the NBA Finals? Yeah, definitely. I thought I thought I would see a day where he would be in the NBA Finals, uh, probably as like a hanger-on type of ring chasey kind of vet. Definitely not as one of the engines driving a team, right? So credit to Chris Paul. This isn't some cheap finals appearance for him. Like he's a major reason as to why this team succeeds in the way that it does. So shouts to Chris Paul for, you know, persevering and you know, running into some nice 
luck. You know, it's misfortune <laughs> for other teams. It's, it, yeah. it is, though. But it, yeah. it, that's not to denigrate the accomplishment. It's just saying, like, it's misfortune for other teams. But it takes luck for every team to make the finals. Right. The guy just punched his ticket to the NBA Finals, and that was the most backhanded ass <laughs> tap through I've ever seen. Come on, Waz. Come on. I have to say, this was possibly the most Chris Paul performance he could ever put together. Like, definitely not his best, although, good God, he really turned it on here in the second half. But the game was hanging in the balance, and Chris Paul just took it by his hands and wrapped his hands around the throat of the game. Uh, he scored, let's see, 31 points in the second half, uh, really just took over there. And then on top of that, exaggerating contact, was trying to lure Boogie Cousins into an ejection, then finally (laughs) got an ejection on one Patrick (laughs) Beverly, in which he immediately, after getting shoved, I have to say, Pat Bev just shoved the hell out of him. Mm -hmm. But Paul, as he's wont to do, immediately grabs for his neck as if he needs the neck brace already, uh, and then pops up with his hands raising in the air. That is a Chris Paul performance. Uh, Rob, to you, did this seem appropriate that Chris Paul would go to the finals in this way? It was every shade of Chris Paul. I'm curious if you gave him the option. You said, Chris, you could get to 50 in this game, but we're (laughs) going to take the two-handed shove from Pat Bev back. I think he would take the shove. I think he wants to to get under Pat Bev's skin that badly. I mean, we got the flop on Boogie Cousins. We got Chris, you know, going for trying to draw fouls at every opportunity. And also, coincidentally, just being the best, most punishing player on the floor in this game. Yeah, and I want to get back to the luck thing because I think the Milwaukee game is instructive, right? They they get a Trey Youngless Atlanta Hawks team. And they're getting smoked by the time Giannis gets freaking injured. And God only knows when or if he's going to be able to come back in this series specifically. Imagine if they would have been taking care of business when Giannis went down and they were the ones up 13. They go up 3-1 and they can wipe their hands. They can rest easy at night knowing Giannis, if he can't come back and take his time doing it, and they're going to take care of business against a lesser opponent. Instead, they did the opposite, and now they're in a world of trouble. The Suns didn't do that. They took care of business tonight, and now they're going to the finals. So, you know, luck is presented to you, but you got to take advantage of it, too, and the Suns did that. Yeah, I don't mean to troll, especially up top before we have really dived into all of the uh, brilliance of the Sun side of things. But I have to say, I thought the Clippers were the better team in this series if they had a healthy Kawhi Leonard. And I thought that showed over the past couple of games. Like, obviously, the first few, like, you know, the the dunk that won it for the Suns in game two, that could have gone either way. Hmm. But, like, the Clippers seemed like they found something that was successful by not playing all their bigs, by downsizing to the point where they were playing Marcus Morris, not even uh, Nicholas Batum in their starting lineup at center. And it seemed like it rattled the Suns to a certain extent. Like the driving lanes were there and it seemed like that catered to the specific isolation type of uh, excellence, I guess we could say, of Reggie Jackson, of Paul George, of Marcus Morris. And it really seemed like the Suns were having difficulties figuring it out. Unfortunately, I think they just ran out of gas in that second half. Obviously, Paul was the driving force behind that. But I think a lot of this just came down to like playing micro ball against a team that is able to be so big. They just like it's it's going to just grind and wear on you. And they just really didn't have the depth, especially when like someone like Zubach, who we've talked about, isn't like the best player to go against DeAndre Ayton, just like wasn't even available. Well, that's where I think the Suns did figure this out. I think you're right that they had a moment there where they really had to crack. How are we going to get this switching smaller defense or sometimes zoning smaller defense 
to move. How are we going to get these guys to budge so we can get them in rotation, so we can get into our stuff? It took them a minute to figure it out, but that's how the Suns are in the NBA Finals, is that they've become some of the NBA's better problem solvers. They don't have the the one guy, the LeBron-level guy, who's going to just break you down and figure you out. Chris Paul can do some of that to an extent. You know, it depends on his matchup, depends on what, what he has in front of him. But collectively, you know, like, Coming into the first quarter of this game, they went right to Aiden every time they could. Mm-hmm. Every time that matchup presented himself after barely doing it in the previous game. That was huge. Devin Booker was aggressive in exactly the way they needed him to be. Hard drives to the rim, got a couple of contested dunks. That's how you have to move a defense that's switching like this. That's how you have to move a veteran playoff level team. I thought the Clippers were really good in this series, all things considered, especially with their injury limitations. And the Suns just kept cracking them, kept cracking them, kept moving, kept figuring stuff out. That's that's what makes them so competitive. It's what makes them, uh, you know, a team that's worthy of getting to the finals ultimately. Yeah, and the eight eight thing that's important is that they were getting him the ball. He didn't have perfect post position on the low block. He was probably about eight feet away inside of the paint, and they were like, you know what, we can live with that. We can live with eight and taking seven footers over guys like Patrick Beverly and Reggie Jackson and even a Batum to a certain extent. If he can catch the ball that close to the basket, that's a great outcome for him. We don't have to let perfect be the enemy of good, right? And mm-hmm. and they did that with Aiden. And I, I was really impressed by Aiden tonight overall, to be honest with you, because I thought on offense, he, he wasn't afraid to assert himself and defensively. Anytime he was switched out onto shooters or closing out on guys, those shots were hitting the backboard. Those shots weren't even drawing rim. He was giving incredible contests. And of course, people didn't want to contest, um, didn't want to challenge him, excuse me, close to the basket. So I thought Aiton was a bear in this game. Yeah, 16 points, 17 rebounds. The 17 rebounds was a big one because mm-hmm. you could definitely see it, especially when Terrence Mann got switched on to him. Like they were feeding Aiton and they were punishing them inside. Even if he didn't get the shot to go in, he was definitely exerting his physicality on that team. And that is starting to wear and wear until the point where like you really can't do anything. I mean, there were so many times where it was Aiton and Jay Crowder and maybe like a Tory Craig who are going after the rebound. And they were just like kind of tipping it to themselves as, as if they were playing against like the middle middle school team. If you're the high school team, it's just like there's only so much you could do gang rebounding against that where it does start to wear. I do think by point stand, though, if Kawhi was there, I would love to see how that would have worked out if the balance wouldn't have turned in the Clippers' favor. But certainly, the Suns played into the perfect game plan and definitely utilized their advantage in the size realm like to great effect. Yeah, they just had more ways to beat the Clippers. And, you know, we really saw that come to fruition late in the game when Chris Paul was just torturing Boogie Cousins from the mid-range. And really, I think they were confusing a really good defensive team. Like how many times were Clippers just totally in the wrong places or giving up wide open jumpers? There was that great drive that Chris had on the baseline, little turnaround where he just completely shed three guys at once. That's I mean, the kind the of stuff that the they can do. The timeout was, was the most egregious one where Pat Bev has miscommunication on the zone yep. matchup and Chris Paul is just wide open taking a practice three and he switches it and puts them up 10. That's after the Clippers rallied all the way back. The crowd is getting into it. They get it down to seven. I'm like, oh, wow, hold on. Wait a minute now. <laughs> Clippers got another comeback in them and Chris Paul just dagger off of a miscommunication on defense. Yeah. This is a hard team to beat. I mean, this is the Suns, they put you in so many vulnerable positions. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Their level of execution is really high. Ultimately, I've just thought they were the best prepared team throughout these playoffs. 
At the same time, though, there was some make or miss league going on tonight, sure. too, right? Of course. Uh, the Suns going 10 of 17 in the first half, particularly Sarich and Crowder, who, God, the way this dude is kicking his whole leg out, <laughs> sm- uh, reaching his whole arm out on every single three to make it damn near impossible to contest. And I know a lot of people do this, but his just seemed the most egregious, falling down every time. Like, this is not hope. But, you know, credit to him. He's one of the most streakiest shooters in the league, and he was hot tonight. And I thought that was huge. That was everything. Chris in the Paul's first leadership half. right there. <laughs> <laughs> running, running clinics down in Phoenix. Yeah, he's right. got his yeah. fingerprints all over this team, Jess. You, you know, Devin Booker didn't have a particularly good game from the floor. He was only one for seven from three, finished with 22 points, 10 for 26. Well, he took 26 shots in this game. Didn't, didn't remember that. <laughs> um, but he was super aggressive in a mm-hmm. way that he hadn't been since he broke his nose. I think like that obviously affected him. And I think like having to wear the mask, uh, it seemed like he was wrestling with that ever since. This was the first time it really seemed like he just put his head down. And while he didn't always make the shots, that was having a trickle-down effect. And I think that's probably why you saw a lot of Jay Crowder and some of these other guys getting involved. And they have to have that. You know, especially, you know, it's one thing when Chris Ball has the matchup against the big that he can manipulate. But if he doesn't have that, if they're not switching, if it's just the top of the zone, Devin Booker has to be that guy. And that's where this team can kind of trade off from one thing to the next, forcing the defense to react, forcing them back into their switching, forcing them into their zone. And they just keep knocking down those dominoes. It's again, it's it's really impressive what Phoenix was able to put together in this game. And it really makes me think, you know, I know we talked about the injuries and they certainly have opened things up for the Suns here. But what did we miss? What did we miss about the Suns that we didn't peg them as a team that could do this? I mean, <laughs> what did we miss? I, I guess I should have predicted injuries to, you know, Jamal Murray, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Literally Leonard. All-stars. Yeah. <laughs> Literally 10. That's not counting Trey Young. I should have predicted it. Uh, you know, and again, Utah. And look, Chris Paul had a bad injury. The Suns had some injuries on their own. And that's, you know, we need to acknowledge that. But just like, the level of injuries in this playoffs, I think, was hard to predict. Yeah. I've said it over and over again. I thought going before Jamal Murray got hurt, I thought the Lakers and the Nuggets were the two best teams in the conference. And I, and I, and, and I thought what Denver was doing was incredible after the trade. And then, you know, slowly but surely, these guys just started dropping like flies. And the Suns won the war of attrition. So I'm not going to take that away from them. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and th- say that I thought the Suns were some, you know, great shakes to make the finals this year either. I, I won't tell that lie. Rob, you seem like you have something you want to get off your chest, though. You did you see something with the Suns that perhaps uh, I hate her like Waz did not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me let me polish off these pearls of insight here. I've just been saving this whole time. As you know, as throughout these playoffs, we've been apologizing to DeAndre Ayton. We've been apologizing to Campaign. Yeah. I mean, there the stability of that team. I think is maybe something we underrated a little bit. Maybe the importance of their depth. Uh, certainly the way their young guys would acclimate to the playoffs. thats It's something you can't know until you see it. And I think it was fair to expect that younger guys would struggle. And these guys did not, which is a credit to them. Even in some really tough matchups, even matched up with a Nikola Jokic, DeAndre Ayton delivered. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of credit pretty much up and down this roster, uh, for, you know, from your Chris Pauls to your campaigns to your Tory Craigs. Lots of guys really stepped up. Yeah, Ayton is definitely the revelation, though. 
Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Tory Craig, though, because we should probably talk about Paul George coming off of one of the best performances in recent playoff history. Uh, unfortunately, our guy just like ran out of gas and or, and or like the, the sun just kind of figured him out defensively. He only finishes with 29. I mean, 21 points, nine rebounds to assist, but he was six for 15 from the floor, one for six from three point land, really didn't put his stamp on this game. Uh, Waz, what did you see from the Suns in limiting George in this one? I thought they did a good job loading up on him um, and shading towards him every time he got his hand on the ball. And I don't think he was expecting that level of focus as far as not focus, like, oh, they're focused, but like they're focused on you, right? Like, I don't think he was ready for that level of scrutiny from the Suns as a team defense. And so his moves were not quick and decisive, right? Like it took him a while to figure out how much they were loading up on him. And because of the lack of, and that's, that's what a defense wants to make you do, right? Like they want to make you think. Cause like when you're thinking now, when we get to recover on shooters or rotate to the next guy towards the basket, you're a hair slow on that. And we can get there on time and have an effect on everything you want to do. So I thought the Suns are like, nah, Paul George, you're not doing 40 again tonight. No, 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 no. They're going to have to do something else. It's going to have to be the Pat Bevs, the Terrence Manns of the world, et cetera, et cetera. I just thought they did a better job of sending help to whoever he, who, whoever was guarding him. They, they, they made that, um, those rotations and, and, and shades the entire game. It was always going to be tough for Paul George, who is a player who feels the game. He's kind of like a wait for my spots, play in the flow kind of star. To Waz's point, if you show him a lot of strong side pressure, he's not going to drive through you. He's not going to break that down. It was always a tough premise when he is your only star on the floor. So I, I really think it's impressive that the Clippers got it this far, to, to be honest with you. Hold on. Only star on the floor? Oh, sorry. Reggie I Jackson's <laughs> Mr. June was on the floor this evening. I forgot that Reggie Jackson was legit in like the pregame promo right next to Paul George. <laughs> I mean, right before this, we were talking about Reggie Jackson as one of the like just unprecedented postseason stories and in, in like ever. In, in it's crazy. History. It's crazy. Like, to go from a minimum contract getting waived by the Detroit Pistons of all teams to a go-to guy for a team that was about to come back from a third straight 0-2 deficit. That's what an insane run. But um, one thing I do want to talk about with the Clippers, I did feel like in the first half that Pat Beverly's, let's call them antics, uh, were starting to have an effect and I was starting to get worried about the Suns because he's done this before. He did it in game two. He has a way of just like turning the game into a tornado. And all mm -hmm. of a sudden, like you're asking a very young team in the Suns, a team that doesn't have a lot of postseason experience to be able to stand up to literal bullying <laughs> in addition to like all the other things that we've talked about. But they kind of weathered the storm here. Uh, Waz, are you surprised, uh, especially considering that Bev, I think, went to a whole new level? He was like full on Joker in this game. So he had a couple of right to left crossover, get to the rack finishes that I was like, I have never yeah. in my entire life seen Pat Bev do this to anybody before. Like something's gotten into this guy. Um, he must have had some strong coffee this morning. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, at the same time, like he was pretty active on defense and he was pushing the pace. Although he had a couple of wild turnovers that didn't look good. 
but I thought he gave them something in the first half for sure. Like he was aggressive and looking for a shot in a way that you're not used to Pat Beverly doing, which which is probably what I think that was, right? He caught the Suns by surprise with his specific level of aggression. But like I said before, Sarge made a couple of threes at the top of the key where, you know, those things don't go in. You, you know it's like, all right, things are going to start getting tight here for the Suns. And Crowder made some huge, huge Huge three-pointers as well. But, yeah, Pat Bev in the first half was – I was like, mm, this is this is interesting, man. <laughs> he certainly came a long way from playing like five minutes a game in that Dallas series. I mean, I, right. I honestly didn't think he was going to be a meaningful part of the rotation. But then you get that energy. And the bargain you strike, as Waz said, is, you know, you have to give up a couple turnovers. He's going to mm-hmm. throw some layups like just off the backboard. That's going to happen. He's going to completely you get clock a bunch of guys for no reason <laughs> and get terrible fouls 70 feet from the basket while you're in the bonus. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but the sun stood the ground there. I think, I think Paul in particular, uh, kind of stood up to him. I, I think he matched fire with fire at a certain point. He just yep. realized he had to outflop him. Uh, and then he was on a mission to get either him or boogie out of the game. And uh, he ultimately succeeded when it came to Pat Bev. I really want to know what he said to Pat Bev in order to get him to, to kind of fly off the handle there. Um, any guesses? I had some guesses, but they're not appropriate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I do want to get to the future of the Los Angeles Clippers here because they're going to be on uh, the precipice of a pretty interesting offseason going forward. Uh, but let's talk about Paul just briefly, like his legacy, because I don't think we get, got into like the bigger picture here. Chris Paul being in the NBA finals. It's weird to say, but like I know it's significant, but it doesn't feel significant because I was I already think so highly of Paul. And I don't know if a finals really changes much about his legacy for me. I still think he's one of the best point guards of all time, even if he didn't get this far. Like maybe if he wins a title, I'll start having like bigger picture conversations. But for Rob, for you, do you feel any different about Paul tonight as you did this morning? I mean, he was already a Hall of Famer. He could, well, everybody he could, is. So is Reggie Jackson eventually. <laughs> Future Hall of Famer <laughs> Reggie Jackson. I mean, he could be a champion soon. And you're right, that would change things. It's certainly, I mean, just watching Chris Paul in this moment, you can see how much it means to him to get to this level. Uh, a guy who's just had to beat his head against that wall so many times and to finally break through is very cool to see. I mean, if anything, again, that's kind of the silver lining to all these injuries and these teams that we would expect to be in, in the conference finals on both sides falling short is we get to see Chris Paul in the finals. We get to see guys bust through for the first time and get their crack at it, something they've never gotten to compete for before. Listen, Chris Paul was never a Ben Simmons level postseason player, okay? <laughs> like the notion that this guy was never good enough to pl- to play a significant role, first or second best player on a championship quality team. To me, if you've ever thought that, you just don't know shit about this game of basketball. He's yeah. been great forever now, right? And he just, you know, he's just never had, was fortunate enough to put it together um, in, in such a way that his team would, would, would go to the finals. The Houston, the Houston versus Golden State was probably the most heartbreaking one because... The guy literally killed himself trying to win that series. He was playing amazing the last two or three games that he played in that series, and he ruined his hammy in the process, playing Mm -hmm. heavy minutes, going extremely hard, one-on-one finishes and scoring and all of that, like the highest level that you can play on the wing. Chris Paul has done that, right? He happened to get hurt in that series that they were in a pretty good position to win. So, no, this doesn't change much about how I personally feel about Chris Paul because 
like Rob said, the guy was already a clear-cut Hall of Famer, and he's probably, to me, the best non-Magic Johnson point guard ever. Well, even think about this game. I mean, not only does he have this massive stat line, not only does he have all the theatrics we've already talked about and the validation of getting to beat some of these guys, he's getting picked up full court the entire game by Pat Bev and Terrence Mann and just grinding through him, getting into offense, still puts up 41. That's a hell of a night for a guy who's fighting through an injury. Yeah, I love how he celebrated because he at one point swore on live TV with Rachel Nichols and you knew that was like him letting loose. I thought, I thought Zach Lowe had a really good tweet that like as soon as he knew he, he was going to the finals, he untucked his jersey. <laughs> and, that's, that's <laughs> and that was his version of letting his hair down. Um, but yeah, it, it's great to see him there. He, this certainly wasn't to Waz's point. Like this wasn't a Paul George situation. If you just like tuned into right. basketball the past two years, like it spoke to how excellent he is and always was that he had some of the most uh, significant moments in the playoffs where he, I, I don't want to say choked, but they were definitely um, failures. Failure yeah. seems appropriate. Sure. Yeah. And then, is that softer than choked? Is failure softer than choked? Eh, Choke. Oh, yeah. Just yeah, came Choke up short. That, you just came up short. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, but we kind of like look past that and we still called him the point god and we still recognize just mm-hmm. like how much brilliance w- was to his game. And in a lot of ways, like a lot of his postseason failures were a, the same result of him trying to overmanage situations. Um, like the the OKC one in particular, when he was trying to like draw a foul for some reason against Russell Westbrook in the Thunder's backcourt. I always think about that as the most Chris Paul moment because that's when it he went overboard trying to be Chris Paul. <laughs> um, but no, it's great to see him in the finals. I, if he wins a title, then I'm ready to have some bigger conversations with him. And I look forward to that. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I do want to talk about the Clippers because their offseason has just started uh, unfortunately, it seems like they're taking it quite poorly. Reggie Jackson is at the podium uh, in Los Angeles, and he is crying uh, almost like Jordan mean level tears right now. <laughs> he seems like he's taking this one particularly hard. Uh, and I guess we should start there because he is among the bigger questions. Uh, if you are the Clippers, how far are you going to retain Reggie Jackson? Your, let's say, second most significant free agent this offseason was. I'm willing to give him Kyle Kuzma money. Mm. I don't see how he's not deserving of at least that. I'm sure his agents are probably like, no, we need Fred Van Vliet money. But I don't I don't know that I'm willing to do that one. But shoot, borderline starter money? Why not? Why not give him that? I think he earned that in the postseason. And, you know, this team had moments in the... But you you know what's crazy? It's rare that they had moments collectively, right? Like Kawhi had moments where he looked like Superman. Paul George had moments where he looked like the guy that everybody envisioned when they went crazy when the Clippers finally traded for him. Like, wow, you're going to put this guy next to Superman? And then 
you know, Reggie Reggie Jackson had moments where he looked like a legitimate number three option on a championship aspirant, right? Like, I, I don't know, you know? So, like, I'm willing to give him two, three years at, at Kyle Kuzma, Brett, 13 mil. Yeah, I'll give you 13 mil a year to do what you did this, this or bet that you'll do what you did this postseason. I think the question really is, like, should Reggie Jackson be a starting point guard in the league outside of the Clippers? Like, has he has he bounced back to the point where if you're a team in need of a point guard, let's just say Orlando, like, would you empower him to be that guy on that sort of team? Oof. No. No. Yeah. I, you know, I think what he proved in these playoffs is that he can be a really good, if you want him to be a starting point guard, to pair with your kind of elite playmaking wing. Like, he's the guy you want spotting up. That's what Reggie Jackson proved is, I can get in the playoffs, I can make threes at a high volume, at a 42, 43% clip. That's huge. That's a, mm -hmm. that's a crucial playoff skill to be able to do that and hold up defensively and give you a little, you know, pick and roll handling play. That's really important. I think ultimately he's probably destined to be more of a sixth man type with some upward mobility. With He's going to pop off for these kinds of games like he's had in these playoffs. That's what you want him to be. But if you needed him to be and you want to put him alongside a Luka, a James Harden, like that mm -hmm. type of player, that could be a really comfortable role for him. Yeah. I should mention that the Clippers, I believe, considering how they signed him, are going to be... It's complicated in order to bring him back because there's only a certain amount of money that yep. they can give him. And so there is a possibility that a team just outspends them and they can't really do much about it. Uh, I would love to see him in a role like the Lakers have been trying to get for the past two seasons, just right. like uh, a low rent Dennis Schroeder. I guess, I guess Dennis Schroeder is in that rent uh, rental <laughs> price now as well. Uh, but just like an energy guard off the bench who could handle the ball when LeBron sits, who could shoot a little bit, who could drive your but offense. How much play is that worth though? Cause the rumors are that Schroeder turned down an extension that was in the, the Van Vliet range, which is four years, 84 million. Because he felt like he was a hundred, hundred ten million type of guy, which no, you're not. Um, so <laughs> is is what Reggie Jackson does? Is that worth the mid level? What what are we thinking as far as price range? Because I think he's going to want to break the bank this summer. It's tough. I mean, I would be worried about overpaying him just based on postseason performance. But I don't know, man, like the three point shooting seems legit and like mm -hmm. any type of shooter is going to get overpaid in this league. Uh, and like I could see, I don't know the Cavs cap situation off the top of my head, but like a team like that who just like needs a veteran presence a guard who could play alongside some of the young guys as they grow older uh, and can can just space the floor when he doesn't have the ball. Like he's an easy plug and play guy. And for that reason, I could see him getting more than he, maybe we would think. Yeah, I think a mid-level thing would be smart just because he'll appeal to a lot of playoff teams who are in that position to offer it to him. And so much of it is about not just the shooting, which as we talked about is, is really kind of a two or three year trend now of him being a really high level shooter. But if we're going to talk about the playoffs as being a space in which you're exposed for what you can't do, he's not a guy with a lot of obvious weaknesses. He's not really a player you pick on in any way or exploit. He's going to be pretty solid for you mm -hmm. and then he can stay on the floor and give yep. you 35 minutes when you need him to give you 35 minutes, that's crucial. Yeah. Dallas would be a good spot for him if they decide to move on from Tim Hardaway Jr. and they just need like a stopgap sort of guy to, to space the floor next to Luca. I could see that working out. I think that fan base would collapse on itself if Reggie if Reggie Jackson were the <laughs> big addition after after everything they've gone through and all like the failed free agencies passed, if Reggie Jackson is the guy, 
is going to get ugly. Yeah, that's why you bring in a Nike executive is to get the guy that the Clippers just signed for the veteran minimum. I mean, I kind of hope that he's made enough money at this point in his career that maybe he'd want to take a discount just to go back to LA and to just run it back. Um, Which brings me to my next question. So the Clippers face another big discussion this offseason. That is with one Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Waz, if you were Kawhi sitting from the bench, uh, being memed by the second by the internet, what are you thinking right now? Are you thinking to yourself, we were right there if I was in this game we would probably be going to a game seven and potentially in the finals. Or are you thinking to yourself, eh, might be something better else out there for me. I think he's re-signing for that Supermax. I just don't, I just have a hard time believing. And not that I'm throwing lobbing accusations and tampering and all of that. I'm just saying, I have a hard time believing that one, for instance, last offseason. When they signed Paul George, I have a hard time believing there wasn't an agreement in place before they sent all of that shit to OKC for him that they weren't going to do an extension with him. I think that was understood. And I think the same thing can be said for Kawhi Leonard. And like this dude moved heaven and earth to get to California, to get to Los Angeles, to get to Southern California specifically you guys will remember that he lived in San Diego. So I think he's signing for that super max. And his body's so fragile, it would be insane not to. Like, if you, I mean, not to say that a four years um, max somewhere else isn't amazing money to pair with the huge amount of money he's already made in his career. But if you really want to maximize the bread and you have a great understanding about nobody knows his body better than he does. I don't see how he turns down a five-year big deal. That being said, after the first two games <laughs> against Dallas, I'm like, Kawhi had to be thinking, oh, yeah, we traded this fool. We traded, <laughs> we traded Paul George uh, this offseason. I don't know. Has Paul George played himself into not being the guy that you move? Because he is their best asset. That's the good question here. I, I do think that after they get out of the afterglow of this exciting playoff run, that Paul George had these huge moments, but everything is settled down. Everyone is off to Cabo and and sipping Mai Tais and the front office (laughs) gathers together and they think to themselves, you know what? Paul George is good, but is he Damian Lillard good? Heineken believes you could twist any situation into something positive. You just need a fresh take. So here are some fresh takes from the Western Conference Finals. So the Clippers just lost in six games to the Phoenix Suns. And Paul George really acquitted himself well this postseason. But here's my fresh take. I think that the Clippers should still explore trading him. I think specifically, they should be trying to work a trade for Damian Lillard and uh, giving Lillard the opportunity to have one more uh, uh, goodbye to Paul George here. Uh, Waz, what do you think about that trade? Paul George for Damian Lillard. I think that would be a dream for the Clippers. And I think it would be a pretty good haul for Portland. I don't know. If Dane forces his way out of Portland, I'm assuming that he has some say in his next destination. And I guess it would come down to, does he see the Clippers as a desirable destination? Only time will tell. Right. Rob, Paul George for Dame? I think it all depends on if you're Portland and you want to keep winning. Paul George is a pretty good piece to keep doing that. Pair him with what you got. Fill out the rest of your roster. Still a pretty good team. Still probably a playoff caliber team. Not a bad landing spot when you're talking about potential returns for Dame. 
Right. I think that is the type of cutthroat move that Kawhi Leonard in particular would be a fan <laughs> of. And he would also be a fan of how fresh this take was. So get out there and find your own fresh takes. Grab a pack of Heineken from your local retailer or have one delivered right to your door. Must be 21 years of age to purchase. Cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> like that. Gets me every time. <laughs> Damian Lillard for Chris Paul? Or excuse me, for Paul George, got my <laughs> whoa, balls messed up. I, I don't know. Like, let's say that's on the table, Rob. Are you pulling the trigger on that? If you're the Clippers? If I'm the Clippers? I'd feel pretty good about this team still. Well, I mean, you were, you were just trying to sell us on the fact that they'd be going to the NBA Finals if Kawhi was healthy, and I'm supposed to bail on that? I'm the host here, man. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> play both sides. <laughs> gotta embrace the bait. No, so, don't you so here I think is, is what... It, yeah, here's, here's what I think it comes down to. I mean... Lillard is probably on another stratosphere just in terms of like superstardom and big moments. You know, you could kind of count on him there. And I think he would maybe be, if we were going into the postseason, we would say he would be a better fit simply because the Clippers tend to need a ball handler point yes. guard type to get people more involved. That yes. has always been the sore spot to the point when, uh, where before they installed Reggie Jackson in the starting lineup before game three of that Dallas series, I was like, Oh no, this is it. This is ultimately what's going to fell them. Now that they've gone through this postseason, though, like I start to wonder, like can Paul George and Kawhi Leonard not do enough of that type of stuff that they can like just satisfy that itch and fill that void just collectively? And the other part about this is like defensively, George, even though he fell off this postseason, how much that was fatigue, how much of that is just like who he is now as a player and what his offensive burden is going to be, even with Kawhi there, like he at the very least is going to give you the possibility of just absolute lockdown defense. And I wouldn't say he's better than Lillard, but I wonder if he is better for the Clippers and in a Clippers team specifically with Kawhi as your best player. Well, I will say this about Paul George and the idea of trading him. You know, if you're looking at Damian Lillard, if you're looking at any other kind of big package, Paul George is, an, is a, the type of player that almost no other team can offer because he's a star player with three full seasons left under contract at least. And the finances are a little weird because his extension hasn't kicked in yet. But to get that kind of talent locked in, I don't know that the the Blazers are going to get many offers like that. Yeah, I, but I also think there's a Dame component to this. Uh, does Dame want to play for the Clippers? You know, um, it seems like if he's going to be getting the hell up out of Portland, that he might want to do something different than the B team in LA, right? And that's and that's not. I'm not trying to denigrate what y'all do, Clippers, but it's just reality, like. A guy who's that attuned to his self-image and everything that he puts out there in the public. Like, he's aware of brand awareness and all of that stuff. Like, Dame Lillard is super in tune to that stuff. So, who knows if Dame Lillard wants the Clippers? Although, I think Portland, it would seem to me that that would be the best type of thing that you could get for Dame, right? Especially a team that doesn't want to do the the strip it down, rebuild it type of thing. If you're the guy that's been very loyal to you for that long comes comes to you and says, hey, I want to get the hell up out of here. Hey, man, Paul George would be a very nice addition to anybody's team, you know? It would also just be kind of hilarious if after all the back and forth between those two guys, they end up getting traded for each other. If, if, if Dame <laughs> has to comprehend that. the fact that I am on the level of Paul George and thus tradable for him, that'd be a good moment. 
Didn't Damian Lillard put like have like special edition shoes dedicated to his buzzer beater against OKC that he wore against as he OKCs as he should? I of mean, course. That's, a, that's a little bit much, especially because like no one on that team even was like alive during that series. <laughs> um, but yeah, good God, I completely forgot about that. That is like the ultimate like win of an argument there. <laughs> um, we'll see how that plays out. This episode is brought to you by Honda. There's a lot that could impress you about the all new Prologue EV. True. It's got class leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design, and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day, and any day really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja, crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken, and buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tinder Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. So things have definitely changed since the last time we were talking about them. Uh, We got some news today about one Giannis Antetokounmpo. Looks like... It wasn't as serious as we might have feared last night. He's listed as doubtful, and there's no structural damage to his right knee, according to ESPN. Uh, well, the specifics. I love reading newsers, especially off of uh, breaking news and especially off of breaking news injuries. Uh, the ligaments in, in Tedekumpo's knee are sound. And a timetable for his return is unclear, sources told ESPN. They're sound. No need to worry. Um, so most likely not getting Trey versus Giannis yet again next game. Was how are you feeling about the Bucks right now? Do you have any confidence that they could turn this around without Giannis? It's it's to me they're a better they should be better than the Hawks are without their superstar, right? Like you take Giannis out and you take Trey Young out, they should be better. Just based off of how much Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton get paid. Like, you guys get paid way more than anybody left on the Hawks right now, right? Like, that to me, that should be meaningful as far as on paper how we should perceive this matchup. But I certainly don't feel that way. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, watching the Hawks, like, the amount of confidence that they seem to always play with, they seem to have a belief in one another that's just just makes no sense because they've never achieved a single thing as a unit. And this is a team that basically came together this season for the first time ever. I just like the juju of the Hawks better than Milwaukee's, right? And, and so I like the Hawks if 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 things stand as they are. Now, again, Giannis comes in there. I just think so much of Giannis as far as an athlete and as far as a, you know, motor type of guy. I think he'll power through an injury and be very, very, you know, additive to what they do. I don't think he's going to go out there because there were times like, for instance, when Harden played in during the Brooklyn series where he was just bad. Like he couldn't do anything for them. I, I don't think that would be the case when a, with a Giannis return. So I think if Giannis comes back, Gimpy, they're fine. But if Giannis is out, the Hawks were cooking them with Giannis healthy in the game and no Trey yesterday. I, I don't know how you think the, the the Milwaukee Bucks win this series without Giannis coming back. 
Yeah, it's the difference between having a team full of role players who can kind of play off of your best player and guys who can survive without him. And that's really what it is right now. The Bucks are just not in a position to score enough points without Giannis. They can't do it. They would have to dramatically restructure their offense or I guess like funnel 50 possessions through Thanasis onto Takumpo in the next game and hope he can be Giannis. I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know what the solve rate is there, but the Hawks have become that kind of team. This was a group we used to talk about as like, oh my God, how, how are they going to win the minutes without Trey Young? That didn't look like a problem in this last game at all. Lou Williams showed up in a huge way, was so, you know, such, so big for them as a playmaker. They're getting just enough from Kevin Herter in terms of creation. They're finding, again, little bits and pieces all up and down the rotation. That's a complete ass team. By the mm-hmm. way, I got the I got the message, y'all. Y'all hit me on the internet. It's Red Velvet. Just for the record, it's Red Velvet. That's his name. We're no longer allowed to use the G word to describe him either. That's a slur. I'm told by Chris Ryan specifically across the <laughs> pond. I guess across the pond, we're no longer using the G word to describe Redhead. So, shouts to Red Velvet. We're a global company now at Spotify (laughs) 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 to watch ourselves in many languages. Um, Well, I I think the blueprint without Giannis is what they did in last year's postseason and the games he went down against the Miami Heat, which is the very tactically advanced blueprint of let Chris Middleton shoot 50 shots this game. Let him do whatever he wants. If he wants to ISO every time down the court, who cares? Because he's the only one who's probably going to have to uh, lead us to this game. Rob, Rob, this is a big test for you, I think, personally. <laughs> for me, um, per- <laughs> yeah. They're not throwing me out there. Do you think your guy, Christopher Duchess Middleton III, <laughs> can do this? If by do this, you mean beat the Hawks under these circumstances, I, I, I don't really think so. I don't, I don't think his game is quite acclimated to that. I think they need they need another huge Drew game, to be honest with you. That's been kind of their bellwether in some of these like take or leave type of situations. If they can get another 30, 32 point game from Drew based on power drives and some good threes, that's going to go a long way. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to feature Brooke Lopez a little bit more just because they don't have a lot of other options. They got this you. Is, you know, yeah, because when you look up and down the Bucks roster, I'm not sure where else the shots are coming from. You're not funneling through PJ Tucker to get more points, you know, so it's got to go somewhere. Brooke is a natural point for that. And so is Bobby Portis. I think one of the things the Bucs did really well in the last game is their bigs were running right to the rim in transition and just standing right in front of the rim. And they were able to get some passes over the top to them. If they can get enough of that kind of transition stuff going, maybe fake some offense, maybe they have something going. But putting everything on Chris Middleton's shoulders is not really the way to do it. What has been the, the strongest trait of this Bucks offense all postseason? They've been unreliable as all hell. And mm-hmm. now you lose your best offensive player. Yikes. <laughs> Big yikes. So we're saying that the Hawks are going to go to the NBA Finals? Give me the Hawks. Give me the <sighs> Hawks. Well, it depends I, on when Giannis comes back. If he yeah. comes back. Uh, it's, it's tough. There isn't a lot back. of time. I think he's coming back. You think he's gonna coming back? Your your PhD in, in knee ligaments. <laughs> I think he'll be back for Game Six to to save these guys. There's okay. gonna be a whole. They're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna lose Game Five, and he's mm-hmm. gonna come back to Game Six to smoke them. And you know it's gonna be the emotional Game Seven. Blah blah blah. Crown them for beating the Trey Young list. <laughs> Hawks. I mean, I don't know. I know I'm supposed to be providing some level of enthusiasm, and all, <laughs> but this is, I mean, both of them are down. Like the two best players left in the Eastern Conference, the, basically the two best players throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs this year 
aside from KD, of course, are gone. You know, like it, it's it's tough. It, and and I love Bogey. I love Lou Will. You know, I thought Cam Reddish gave them a little bit of extra, just something Definitely. like just some juice, right? Some activity. Uh, but damn. Well, let me ask you guys this. If you're the Suns and now you're sitting back and watching this game tomorrow night, who are you rooting for? Who do you want to see in this next round? Rob, what do you think? Whoever's healthiest. Whoever can put their star on the floor in the NBA Finals, that's who I want to see. So you you personally want to see this, but if you were the Suns, do you want the wounded box? Oh, sorry. I mean, if I were the... I'm trying to think of who they would really match up with better. I don't think the the Suns... I want the Hawks from the Suns. Definitely want the Hawks. Mainly because just like if if Giannis comes back and he's not his whole self, sure he's doing a little bit of less of the probably the transition, a little bit less of the one-on-ones, but he's making an impact. He's going to impact a series that he plays in no matter what. If Trey Young comes back and he can't dribble past people because his foot, he has a bump foot, that's that's it. It's that's that's wham bam. That's the entirety of his contribution to the team is dribbling past guys, finding open people, reading the defense. But that's all predicated on his ability to break people down with his dribble, his quickness, his instincts, and his speed. If he don't got that, he ain't got nothing. He's He's got, <laughs> you know, he got to fold him. Yeah, mm-hmm. for, for a guy whose power comes from the ability to change directions taking out his ankle and his foot in that way is, is just brutal. There, there's no coming back from that until you're fully healthy. Right. Uh, shouts to Vance Williams in our chat who suggests that Waz just wants that lemon pepper. Hey, listen. <laughs> listen. <laughs> listen. Let me tell y'all something. If the Atlanta Hawks make the NBA Finals, I will be in attendance <laughs> right. for at least two games. Right. Just know that. One way or another, Barrier. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be watching. Maybe not necessarily from the arena, but there will be a screen on somewhere where you can watch, perhaps in a distance, while engaging in some other activities. Um, All right. That is it for us. Uh, We will be back next week. Same time, same place. Hopefully to talk about some NBA Finals action. Uh, For Rob, for Waz, for Sasha Ashall on production, for Pat Muldowney walking us through the technology of Spotify Greenroom. We'll see you. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, It's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.